Well, it's good to be here today, and I want to say, Steve, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's a privilege. It is an honor to be here for your homecoming. Wow. Um, I've been around this church a long, long time. Um, I think I first came here to preach in late 90s, around 99, 2000, and fell in love with you folks and just kind of come back over the years, never got too far away. And so it's good to be back. And it's good to have my beautiful wife today. Lori, would you stand, Lori, please? Please stand. Please stand. Yeah. She is very shy. She's very unlike me. She's shy. So uh, it's good to be here today. It's good to see you. I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 14. Uh, back several, it's been probably two or three years ago, we were at a memorial service for a dear friend of ours that had passed away. And we had a worship service in her honor. And the worship uh, leader said something that totally moved me and revolutionized my life. Because I'll be 59 the 27th. That's old. I mean, 59 is really old, y'all. I don't know. I don't know. Jimmy, I don't count for you. You and Sharon, Jimmy and Sharon's fountain, fountain of youth over on that hill somewhere. I don't know where it is. But anyway, they, they look exactly the way they did 30, 40 years ago when I met them. So, uh, But I began to think about that. As, and what she said was, is we live our lives like heaven is a consolation prize. We live our life like we want to just stay here forever. And I got to thinking about that, folks, and heaven's not the consolation prize. Heaven is the gold. And man, that's, they, they ended this thing just right to open up what I want to do, because I want to talk to you this morning briefly about heaven in view. We need to live our life with heaven in view. There's an old saying that I used to preach about. It said, I've heard that we get so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Well, I believe we get so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. We get so entrenched in this life that we can't see the next. We get so wrapped up in the things that we're trying to accomplish that we have forgotten what God has waiting for us. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be at homecoming here at Chihaw. What a blessing, God, to see these folks and love these folks, love their pastor, love what they're doing here, God. And I ask you, God, to richly bless this church for another time until you come and get this church, God. Just continue to bless their ministry, bless all that they do in this place. Now, God, I ask you to bless me, Lord, give me the words that you have for me to say, that we might, God, just, just hear from you of what you want us to do over the next few minutes. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. In John chapter 14, Starting that chapter, you can't start that chapter without going back to chapter 13 to understand the context. I believe in contextual preaching. I believe you got to preach it in context. And to go back to John chapter 13, in the conclusion of that chapter is the night when Jesus met with His disciples and He told them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. And in that process, one of you are going to betray me and one of you are going to deny me. In that room, the tension was so great, you could cut it with a knife. It was so bad because they all began to ask one another, is it I? Am I the one that's going to betray him? Am I the one that's going to deny him? They begin to question. You know, they have spent three years with this man. They have invested their life. They've given up their old life. They put it all on the line. And now Jesus says, I'm going to die and you're going to be scattered. And can you imagine 
the thoughts that were running through the disciples' minds that night is they heard these words and they didn't know how it was going to hurt, how it was going to fall out. The hurt, the disappointment, what was going on. And what's so cool about it, in the depth, deepest, darkest night that they had had since they began to follow Jesus, in the deepest part of their despair, Jesus speaks these words. Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. You see that? When you're at your deepest, darkest point, when you think you can't go any further, when you don't know what tomorrow looks like, when you don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow, you know what God says? Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then Jesus takes it a step further than that. He says, not only believe in me, but he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. You see what Jesus has done? Jesus has taken their focus off of the surroundings, off of the circumstances, off of the doom that they're in, and he's focused their focus on a future that's going to be grand. So sometimes we have to do that, folks. Sometimes you just got to stop and say, I mean, you know, you're having a bad day at work. Your spouse don't understand. Your kids are lost their mind. Everything's falling apart. And you just got to stop and say, let me see heaven, God, just for a minute. I just want to see the future. I just want to see what you've got placed for me. And he goes on to say, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So Jesus is saying, you live your life with heaven in view. Now, I'm getting older, as I said. I really am. And, but you know the thing about getting older is, is I've got so much more invested there than I used to have. You know, when I, when I first got saved, I was 20-some-odd years old. I don't know. I was 20-something when I went to Jennifer and started pastoring. And, you know, I didn't know a whole lot. I just loved Jesus and just, you know, run 100 miles an hour one way. And now I'm getting older. I begin to think, you know, I got much more invested in heaven than I used to have. You know, I think about friends and family that are there. And, you know, some days, folks, I just ponder what it's going to be like. I just think about that day when it's over, when I walk through the gates and I'm finished and I lay down my tools of work and I go to where my final resting place, I'll just kind of think. You ever think about what it's going to be like? You ever think about what it's going to be like the first breath in heaven? What it's going to be like when you see all those that have gone before? When you talk to those that you've missed so long? Man, I'm telling you. I'm looking forward to that. But Jesus lays out a plan here in these verses for us here. As we fight our battles, as we lose our battles, as we have health issues. I tell you all something, the older I get, the more health issues. Is y'all that way? I didn't know it worked that way. I really didn't, you know. I mean, for, for 40 years of my life, I hardly ever went to the doctor. I hated the doctors. I got 40, and I went every week. This week, I got two. And I'm like, what happened? I'm not supposed to go to the doctor twice a week. That's craziness. For long, I'll just quit work and go to the doctor. It's like every day, something's wrong. I don't understand that. Well, what's it? You know, this getting old stuff ain't fun. I'm going to tell you, I wake up in the morning now and it's like, I don't know if I can get up or not. I, I really don't. I, I'm like, Lori's quite younger than me, if y'all haven't noticed that. Uh, quite. And I did that purposely. 
because I'm going to get old and she's going to have to take care of me. And I've got it figured out. And some mornings I feel like I'm going to have to call and say, Lord, you got to get me out of bed. you got to come and help me get up because I, I can't get up. Because my body, it's like, wow. And you, and you, and you face those battles of, of life throws at you, of health issues and problems. And, and it's like I just have to stop and I have to go to John and I have to say, God, speak to me about what heaven's going to be like. Speak to me about what the plan is to get me from where I am today to my eternal home. Here's what he says. First of all, he says, let not your hearts believe, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I want you to say what he's saying to his disciples in the darkest night, in that room where the tension you could cut with a knife, he says to them, I am the person of your faith. Don't ever, ever doubt that. I am the person, I am the object of your faith. Jesus says we do not place our faith in religious doctrines. We don't place our faith in accomplishments. We don't place our faith in what we can get done. We place our faith in a person, and His name is Jesus Christ. Ain't you glad of that today? That, that things come and go, things change, things happen, troubles uh, break us down, but the fact that my faith never wavers in who He is. He's still Jesus this morning. Amen. He's still God. You know, I don't know the answer to a lot of the questions that are facing life. You know, we've been through a lot of trouble the last couple of years. Man, I'm telling you, I never thought I'd see churches shut down. I never thought I'd see us have to quit. I never thought I'd see so much trouble with us coming back. But you know what? Jesus is still Jesus. Amen. Amen. I still got my faith is still firmly planted in who He is this morning and that nothing in this life can shake my faith. When I went through the hardest part of my life, when I faced the darkest demon I ever faced so far, God gave me a verse. He gave me Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And he says, and I was stressing, pulling out my hair, banging my head against the wall. God said, trust in me and lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your path. We need to learn to trust in who God is. Trust in Him and His path for our life. And you know what? To this day, I still don't understand that valley I had to walk through. But now it don't matter. He's still God. 30 years later, He's still God and He's still on the throne. So just trust in Him this morning. Our faith is not blind. Our faith is not doctrine or religiosities. Not faith of selfish accomplishments or abilities. Folks, if all that got you to heaven, I wouldn't make it. If it took accomplishments, if it took abilities, I wouldn't make it. It just takes faith in Jesus Christ. And then we become His. We're a part of His family. He says in John 4, 4, you are, you are of God, little children. You have overcome the world because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Second of all, look at what else He says. He says in verse 2, in my Father's house, just stop right there, amen. We're going to eat a little bit, is that right? I got to know, I got to know before we go any further, because I can't finish this message without knowing. Who brought the banana pudding? Y'all brought a banana pudding, right? Don't look at me like that. Thank, thank you. I knew you, Baptists cannot meet and eat without a banana pudding. You cannot. That is a sin. That is blaspheme against the Holy Ghost if you don't have a banana pudding at lunch. You got to have that banana pudding, right? I do. I was pastoring up in uh, Rainbow City one time, and this lady brought me one that's as big as this podium for myself. I ate banana pudding for two weeks, so the bananas got as black as that thing right there. But I eat it all. Amen. 
It's going to be one out of pudding in heaven, by the way. But anyway, he says, in my Father's house, we're going to eat. Can you imagine that day when we stroll into God's house and we are his children? We are supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be there. I'm not going to just slip in by the skin of my teeth. I'm going to be there as a child of the king with a place at the table. I'm going to have a place, a chair with Rick Kaufman's name on it. You can't have my place and I can't have yours. I got my place. It's like when we go downstairs, you're going to pull up a chair and we're going to eat. When we get to heaven, we're going to eat. I want you to see, he talks here about in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. There's a place of our finishing. He sung about it. I'm going to bow on my knees and cry holy when I get there. We've got to keep heaven in view because we cannot, we cannot be victorious until we see what's at the end. You know, we're like Abraham. You remember Abraham? God said, Abraham, give up everything you got, your family, all your herds. I'm going to take you to a place that you do not know. You won't know you're there until I tell you and you'll be there. But he said, this place is different. The foundations is made by God, and it's a place that's going to be yours forever. You know what? Abraham got there when he crossed over that threshold of death. The same promises for you and me. We're headed to a place. We're not home here. Well, it's not where I'm supposed to be. I don't supposed to be comfortable. I'm supposed to live my life in servitude for my master on the way to a city whose maker is God. Think about this place. He says it's a, it's a perfect place. You know why it's a perfect place? Because the perfect one is there doesn't matter about streets of gold or gates of pearl. None of that matters. What matters is Jesus is there, the perfect one. Everything about that place is perfect. Everything about that place is perfection personified. It's a peaceful place. You know why? Because the Prince of Peace is going to be there. No war is going to come. There's going to be no conflict. Me and Lori's going to get along just fine there. We are. I think Jimmy and Sharon might. You think? Y'all think? <laughs> Sharon goes, woo, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, no war, no strife. It's a perfect, peaceful place because the Prince of, Prince of Peace is there. And then it's a perpetual place. It's an eternal place because the eternal God, our Father, is there. In Revelations, he talks about seeing a vision where God says that there's no need for light. They don't even need the temple anymore because God Himself is going to be our God. And Jesus is going to light the city forever and we're going to worship Him in perfect peace and harmony, not for a little while, but forever, for eternity. I don't know if I can understand that or not. And then He goes on to say, that I go to prayer place for you, I will come again. I like when Jesus does that. Jesus didn't say, well, I might come. If you're really good, I'll come. If you can preach good enough or sing good enough, you can win enough people to the Lord, I'll come. No, Jesus says, I will come. You know what that means? Jesus is coming. There ain't no questions. You say, Rick, I've heard that my whole life. I've heard that ever since I've been in this world. I don't know if it's true or not. Let me tell you something, folks. He's coming. It may be the next minute. It may be the next million years. But He will return. The gates of hell and the forces of evil cannot keep Him from coming. He will come. He says, I will go to prayer place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself. Where I am, there you may be also. Mm. I want to be with Him. I'm going to be with Him. You know what, folks? I, I like to think about heaven. I like to think about that crystal river. I like to fish. I think they're going to be big old bass in that thing, by the way. And uh, I, 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 me and Lord both like to fish. I'm better than she is, but we both like to fish. But she always catches more fish, and I do that on purpose. 
just so that she feels good. You know, I let her catch more fish, but I'm the better fisherman. But anyway, I like to think about all the stuff that's in heaven. You know, he talks about mansions and rooms and places, and, you know, there's enough room for everybody. And I like to think about that, but none of that matters. What matters is Jesus will be there. He said, where I am, there you may be also. This is a powerful promise. The reason this is a powerful promise to you and I, this promise for the future, is because it takes care of my future. I don't have to worry about it. People say, Rick, have you got a retirement? Yep, I do. Right here. It's my retirement plan. You know, say, and let me tell you something, it's out of this world. You know, I'm probably going to work like Jimmy till I'm old, and I'm going to work forever because I'll have a retirement. Uh, you know, just going to keep working till I die or, or can't get there. But, uh, my retirement's not in this world. You see, God, He signed my retirement form on February the 2nd, 1989 at Oak Ridge Baptist Church when I got on my face and said, God, I'm a sinner and I need to get saved. I trust Jesus and Jesus alone to take me to heaven. My future was sealed at that point for eternity. My retirement's good. You see, folks, it's a powerful promise because I don't have to worry about the future. I just trust in Him. And it's a precious promise because Jesus loved us so much that He died on a cross, and rose again to prepare a place for us. He teaches us to walk in those ways. In Matthew 28, 20, He says, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now let me finish this thing. He says, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. He gives us a path to follow. Now I want you to understand, COVID didn't change the path. Amen? You say, well, COVID changed a lot. And I heard people say, well, Brother Rick, COVID changed. We can't do what we used to do. Let me tell you something. COVID didn't change the path. The path is still Jesus. The path has never been the church. The path has never been works. The path has never been goodness. The path has always been Jesus Christ. We have a path to walk in this life. We walk this path by faith in who He is and trusting Him and following what He wants us to do. The path is life. It's a secure path. Now, folks, I'm old-fashioned. Are y'all? I really am. I believe once we're saved, we're saved. I'm sorry that some people don't believe that in our culture today. That's fine. But it secures me to know that I didn't save myself, therefore I can't keep myself saved. If I can lose it, it wasn't much to have to begin with. Amen. I got saved that day, and folks, I fell off the wagon a few times. I've messed up. I've come short. I've missed the mark. I've done some things wrong. But you know what God does? He forgives me and brings me back into His fellowship every single time. You see, folks, we're secure. We're secure. It's a secure path that I walk. Each step, each day is ordered by God. Now, sometimes Rick goes his way. You know what happens? That's not good. I fall off the edge. As long as you walk the path that God has marked, the straight path for you, as long as you follow His words, His will, His way, you'll find a sweetness of fellowship that this world does not know of. And people, you know, it's funny because I can be at work and be having a bad day, but there's still the sweetness of the fellowship of God. I've been in funeral homes and walked up and saw the casket and comfort the family, but there's still a sweetness of the presence of God. I've been out to the side where they set up the little chairs and you sit underneath that little canopy and say those words, and there's still a sweetness of the presence of God because, folks, we know that's not the end. We know that's not where it stops. It just begins. It's just a moment of separation until we're all reunited again. That's the sweetness of the fellowship that we have, our path. It's a sweet path. 
Sure, there's de defeat and disappointment. Victories outweigh the others, but there's always hope. Ephesians 5, 1, he says, But ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us, and given himself as an offering and a sacrifice and of God for a sweet-smelling savor. Galatians 5.16 says, Then I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 1 John 1.7 says, But walk in the light as He's in the light, and you have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. There's a walk before us, folks. And that walk has to have heaven in view. We have to see what's at the end. You know, you got to keep looking forward. Because you know what Satan wants to do to you this morning? He wants you to forget what waits in the future. He wants you to forget, and he wants you to go home and say, beat up, beat down, and run over, and say, them folks over there don't love me. They abuse me. They talk about me. I'm just going to stay home. I don't care about God anymore because you've lost your vision. You can't see heaven anymore. we got to keep heaven in view. We've got to keep in sight the things that matter because if we only look in this world, folks, we'd be of all men most miserable. If all I have is here, I don't have much. Let me close with a conclusion. Uh, close with an illustration that I thought, I thought was interesting. After 40 years of faithful service to the Lord as a missionary to Africa, Henry Morris and his wife were returning to New York. As their ship neared the dock, Henry said to his wife, Look, look at the crowds. They haven't forgotten about us. However, unknown to Henry, the ship also carried President uh, Teddy Roosevelt, returning from a big game hunting trip to Africa. As Roosevelt stepped from the boat with great fanfare, people were cheering, flags were waving, bands were playing, reporters were waiting for his comment. Henry and his wife slowly walked off unnoticed, hailed a cab, which took them to one bedroom apartment that had been provided by the mission board. Over the next few days, Henry tried but failed to put this incident behind him. He was sinking deeper and deeper in depression, and one evening he said to his wife, this is all wrong. This man comes back from a hunting trip and everyone throws a party. We gave our lives in the faithful service to God for these many years and no one seems to care. His wife cautioned him that he should not feel this way. Henry replied, I know, but I just can't help it. And then Henry's wife, then his wife said, Henry, you know God doesn't mind if you have an honest question. You need to tell the Lord and get this settled or you'll be useless in his ministry. So Henry went to his bedroom, got down on his knees in the, shade of, uh, in the shades of Habakkuk. He began pouring out his heart to the Lord. Lord, you know our situation and what troubles me. We gladly serve you faithfully for years without complaining. But now, God, I just can't get this instant out of my mind. After about 10 minutes of, of praying hard, Henry returned to the living room with a peaceful look on his face. His wife said, looks like you resolved the matter. What happened? Henry said, the Lord settled it for me. I told him how bitter I was that the president received this tremendous homecoming and no one even mentioned as we returned home. And when I finished, it seems as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, but Henry, you're not home yet. Folks, we're not home yet. We get rewarded when we get home. Don't put so much value here. You got to live here. You got you to build a lot. I'm just saying, your value is in heaven. Jesus says, where your heart is, your treasure will be also. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Folks, live your life with heaven in view. I'm serious. Think about it daily and ponder over it and realize nothing here is eternal. Everything here is temporal and fading away, but the home we have is eternal.
Are you ready to know? If you died today, do you know sure, for sure without a doubt that you'd enter heaven? Do you know that you've been saved without a doubt? If not, Steve's here. He wants to tell you. If you are, and you've just been beat up and discouraged and maybe a little bit bitter, won't you come today and say, God, restore my vision of heaven. I want to see what heaven really looks like. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time this morning. Thank you, God, for your love and your mercy and your grace and your goodness. God, we can't even begin, God, to thank you for what you've done. And God, this morning, I, I do want to challenge each believer in this building not to get caught up in the temporal, not to get caught up in the scene, not to get caught up in what we think, God, we need. But God, let us realize this is a journey. This is a journey that we're walking by faith. There's joys and there's victories. But God, we won't experience the truth of what you did for us at Calvary until we enter heaven, until we're there. So bless this invitation, God. May you have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Steve, would you come down front, brother? If you've got a need this morning, would you come? We'd love to pray with you. We would. Would you come?